Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. We're starting a series this morning that we're calling The Grind. Everybody say The Grind. And um, there's a story that I, I, I want to start with, and I, I'm going to ask Steph to help sing a song. We're going to sing a duet this morning. Is that all right with you guys? Oh, you're so excited. You're going to be so disappointed in this song. But anyway, a um, hundred years ago or so, actually back in 1991, uh, Steph was about three and a half years old. We moved from Pennsylvania to Minnesota. We had uh, uh, pastored a church out there for four years. And uh, we, it was a very struggling congregation when we when we started there, and uh, God was very good, and it's because it's who He is, and, and and some really neat and wonderful things happened. But we knew we needed to come here and start a church, and so that whole process was emotional. It was difficult from unhooking there, and then kind of scary coming here and just starting a church. But if you've ever traveled with a, with a, with a young child, and again, Steph was about three and a half years old, how many of you know that kids have questions? <laughs> Lots of questions. And so I was driving the U-Haul truck, about a 20-hour trip, a little over 1,000 miles. Um, Shelly was driving the car. It was loaded up. She had Crystal with her sometimes, and the kids would switch back and forth, Crystal, our oldest daughter. And Steph would ride with Shell and fall asleep. And then she would ride with me and have questions. It was amazing the way that it happened. And so I remember telling her, we're on our way to Minnesota. And she goes, well, when are we going to get there, right? I mean, when are we going to arrive? When will we be there? I said, well, you know, it's going to take a while. It's a journey. It's a process. It's going to take some time. And she goes, I want to be in Minnesota. I said, well, we're on our way to Minnesota. And then we crossed from Pennsylvania into Ohio. And she was like, are we in Minnesota? No, we're in, we're in Ohio. We have to go through Ohio, which is going to take several hours, which she didn't really know what it, one hour was. And, you know, it's kind of like we're, we're going to have to sleep and wake up a couple of times before we get there. And that sort of helps. But Ohio looked a lot like Pennsylvania. And then we crossed from Ohio into Indiana, and that looked a lot like Ohio. And it's like, hey, we're in Indiana, but I want to go to Minnesota. How many of you can relate? It was a journey. It was a grind. And so... We got from Indiana into Illinois and, and then up into Wisconsin. Hey, we're in Wisconsin. We're almost there. But I want to go to, we're on our way to Minnesota. So we came up with a song. I came up with a song and taught her a song to help pass the time. My patience was about done. And so uh, we're going to sing this song for you this morning. I thought about maybe we should do it in a... Uh, in an Irish, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, I, lad, we should be singing a little bit with the Irish. And Steph does it way better. I usually, I start Irish, somewhere get into an Indian dialect, and eventually I'm talking like Sven and Oli, don't you know, for sure. Jesus, he bless us good, you know, and it's, I can't, do, give us a little bit of your Irish brogue this morning. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh. John 3.16. <laughs> no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, I, that last song that we just did, I still think that let the king of my hearts do that a little bit in Irish. Uh, Come on, the Bible says be instant in season and out. <laughs> well, yeah, but now you're making me switch. Uh, I'm still Irish. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from. All right, there we go. Oh, it is my song. There we go. All right. Anyway, so because we didn't have yeah, the pressure, sorry about that. We didn't practice that or talk. You couldn't tell that, could you? That we didn't. Huh? That's not, we're not done yet. Just yeah, so yeah that's not even. Yeah. Pastor John was around in the first service, so he heard the actual song. This is a song that we, that we learned on our way to Minnesota, and it goes like this. 
We're on our way, we're on our way, we're on our way to Minnesota. Grandma Bert will be there and Grandma Woody too. Grandpa Leroy, he will be there too. All my aunts and uncles and all our cousins too. We'll all be there in Minnesota. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> It was a grind. It was a long journey. And man, I got tired of trying to answer the question. And so I just, we're on our way. It's a process. Amen. We want to welcome you. Thank you for being here this morning. We are honored and blessed to have you with us. Why don't you just stand for a second and greet two or three people and wish them a Balarney Stone free day today. I can almost see it. That dream I'm dreaming. But. There's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction My faith is shaking, but I, I gotta keep trying Gotta keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose it Ain't about how fast I get there Ain't about what's waiting on the other side It's the wife! so nice and set up. It's like, all right. That's, it's sometimes doesn't that kind of how the grind is? It's just like it sneaks up on you and things are going on and it wears you out. And that's quite honestly, that's how the drive was. I mean, it was, it was literally a grind. We had come through four years of pastoring a church, really trying to get it reestablished. And then it's extremely emotional to turn it over then to another pastor, that whole process that happened, and, and, and it was physically exhausting, spiritually exhausting, mentally exhausting, and then that journey, that, that, that trip that we took, was, would, was it added to it, and all of the tired, the tired made it more of a grind, and, and whether you realize it or not, and, and part of what we've been talking about over the last, really, since the first of the year, this is a continuation of a thought that I think that God wants to get over to us as a church. We began talking about momentum how that mass plus or mass times velocity will equal momentum. The greater the mass that something has, when it's combined with velocity or with speed, the more power that it has, which is why being in church is an important thing, why the body of Christ is an important thing, because you can do some things in and of yourself. You can do some things on your own, but Jesus said that wherever two or three are gathered together, he said, I'll be there. One can put 1,000 to flight, it says in, in the Old Testament, and two can put 10,000 to flight. When you combine your faith, your mass, if you will, your, your, your gifting with the rest of the body of Christ, it becomes something that is powerful. And then we talked about the road to the final four, and in the road to the final four, there's a beginning and there's an ending. And now we're talking about the grind, and, and whether you realize it or not, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've made him the Lord of your life, if you've expressed faith in Christ... 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Access or entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not based on your birth. 
It's not based on your religion. It's not based on how good or bad you are. It is based on a spiritual birth, not a natural birth. And that spiritual birth happens as a result of faith. And, and I can tell by the way you're, you're, you're listening to me this morning that many of you already understand that. Some of you are like, really? I don't know about that. And so, and so when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you entered a race. Whether you understand this or not, you're in a race right now. And that race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's going to take the rest of your life. Yes. Can we go back to the Balarney Stone? Because that sounds like more fun. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run your race to win. You're in a race this morning that began, and that's what, again, as I said, part of the reason that we emphasize the road to the final four is because there's a very specific beginning to your race that happens with faith in Christ, and there's a very specific end to your race, and and in this series, we're going to talk about what happens in the middle of that race, and I'm going to belabor a point somewhat this morning. I want to, as I was praying and just kind of thinking about the start of this series, I wanted to go back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and I'm going to take my time and just work through something because I want you to understand, and, and perhaps this is way more important to me than it is to you, but I pray that this will be important to you because really your eternity and the rest of this life is really based on some understanding here that Paul is trying to get to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.6, but is also important to us. And many times it's easy for us to just sort of read over a scripture to get to the next scripture, to get to the next thought. And, and, and so I, I'm going to take this apart a little bit. It might be a little bit too uh, meticulous in one sense, but, but I want you to really get it before we take the next step forward. First Corinthians 9, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The apostle Paul was writing, and I like the surety or the confidence that he, ha- that he has here. And I am sure that God, and I want you to know this one, I, I, I have the same confidence. I trust God so much to do the things that he said that he is going to do that there's a lot of things that bother other people that don't bother me. I'm sure I'm sure that God who began the good work, everybody say good work. Well, God is good. And if God's going to work in us, it's probably going to be a what? Good work. I'm sure that God who began the good work within you. So the work that God began, there's a definite beginning. There's a definite start. But where does that start? Within you. God's work begins on the inside. Have you ever been frustrated with another Christian who is not living a godly life or what you consider to be a godly life? They're living an annoying life. Anyone at all? Because we can only see on the outside. We don't know what God is up to on the inside. You see, religion tries to work from the outside to the inside. It gives you a list of rules to work on. But true relationship, true Christianity, true relationship starts on the inside and works its way out. Christianity is to percolate through every part of your life, every single part of your life. As I said, there's not a Sunday morning spiritual life and then my life life. I don't have a secret faith that I set aside and, and then Saturday night I start to surface kind of like a submarine coming out of the water and, and, and then Monday I'm dive, dive, dive and I'm kind of pretending that I, I don't really, no, He began a work, but that work begins on the inside of you. And he goes on and he says, I'm sure that the God who began this work within you will keep right on helping you grow in grace. The God who began the work 
through faith in Christ, he started something. The God who started the work is going to keep on working in you. He started it. Now he's going to keep working. He wants to keep working, helping you to grow. Everybody say grow. grow. Look at the person next to you say grow. Now, <laughs> growth is so important, and growth is difficult. Growth is hard. That tells us something, that you don't start out finished. Amen? We don't start out finished. We don't start out perfect. We don't start out hitting the mark every single time. We sometimes stumble and we sometimes fall. We sometimes miss the mark. That's what sin really means. Sin means to miss the mark. This was the intended target, but I missed. Supposed to be loving and kind, but I was angry. I missed the mark. It says, helping you grow in his grace. You couldn't save you. He had to start the work. But he also has to complete the work on the inside of you. And, and, and the way that we grow, Peter said it like this. Uh, the apostle Peter said, desire, crave, want the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. He gave the analogy that we're like babies in Christ. And a baby can't eat a steak. A baby can't eat a hamburger and fries. A baby eats milk. And you're spiritual babies. And he said, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. How many of you are aware of a television show called Naked and Afraid? You may not want to admit it, but I don't watch it regularly, but yeah, I'm aware of it. It's a survivalist show, and the whole premise is that they take a man and a woman. It's kind of crazy. They take a man and a woman, sit them out in the jungle or, or whatever, somewhere else. I saw, saw one. Actually, I was told. I didn't see it. Sorry. I don't watch the show. No, I, I saw. They, they, were, they were in a frozen tundra. Naked. Fully. Yeah, they weren't in fully. I thought you said fully. Yes, fully naked. Yeah. But anyway, and so they get to bring one item with them. I think like shoes, a pair of pants, I, you know, or whatever, something to help me survive. But anyway, I would I, like bug spray. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That was not intended, and now I really wish I wouldn't have said that. But anyway, and so... <laughs> Naked and afraid, and so they're, they're in the place that they're going to set up a camp, and the three basics become really important. And generally, because they're survivalists and they've, they've had some training, they begin with shelter, and they cut down trees, and they're working, and they're doing stuff, and they build a shelter, and then they know water is important. And so generally, somebody's got a flint, and they can get a fire going, and they found a water source, and they boil water. They've got water, but it is food that becomes extremely difficult for them to find. They will go days and days and days without any food at all. They've got shelter, they've got water, but they don't have food. And eventually, food becomes like grub worms and ants. I, th I saw one where the, the person was a vegetarian, and I'm thinking to myself, you've got a whole jungle to eat through. <laughs> anyway, and then you're like starving, and then if you're a vegetarian, vegan, God bless you, you know, we can pray for you later. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing. I, it's probably a good lifestyle choice. I don't know. But anyway, I, I actually I literally don't know. And so, um, <laughs> man, I'm getting myself into cowboy logic, cowboy preacher wisdom. When you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. So anyway, food becomes really, really important. And the longer they go without food, obviously they lose weight. But the longer they go without food, their energy is drained. They don't have energy to do what they need to do anymore. The expenditure of, of, of their effort to, to find food ends up leaving them in a deficit. And then they can't think well. They can't, they can't function. Their body doesn't function. And eventually, they just sort of collapse. And they, and they just want to lay down and rest and sleep because they don't have any food. 
Now, God wants to work in you. He wants to help you grow in his grace. There's a prayer that's in the New Testament. Many of you probably are aware of this prayer. This guy prayed this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our... Give us this day our what? How often? How often should I eat the bread? Why do I need daily bread? Because I live every day. Every single day, you're expending spiritual energy living this life. And if you're not eating daily bread, fresh manna from heaven on a daily basis, you will be at a deficit. And this life will overwhelm you. This life will set you aside, kick you to the curb. And so God says, I'm at work in you, and I want to help you grow. And part of the way that I want to help you grow is I've given you my word so that you can eat, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And those words became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. God's word is like food. He goes on. And this idea of food, this idea of daily bread becomes so important because of this little word, until. Everybody say until. I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task, until his task, until his task. Whose task? His task. Until there's a process that you're going through. He began a good work, and that good work started on the inside of you. And he's going to keep helping you grow until the task he's given to you. The next two words, within you. Within you. Now, that word within you in this little verse is found twice. And it is so important that you understand that God began a work in you, and he's put a task, an assignment, and a gift on the inside of you. He's put it within you. We believe here at Joy Christian Center that, that God has a very well-designed and a, a practically intentioned path for you and I to walk on. He's got a journey for us to go, and, and, and we say as a church that, that, that really our heart, our desire, our want is for you to know God, and it isn't know about God, it isn't religion, it is to be intimately aware of, it is to be alive in, it is to know this God who wants to know and be known, it is to have a relationship with him. We want you to know God, that he is good, that he is loving, that he's merciful, and that he is kind. But beyond that, we want you to find freedom in your life because just because you know God or you're born again or Jesus is your Savior, you're on your way to heaven, you still have some stuff from the past that, that maybe is hanging on to you. you. You've got some things, that, that some bitterness or some hurt feelings or some offenses, or maybe there's greed or pride or envy or jealousy or something like that that is at work in your life. There's stuff from the past you have to get past so that you can understand God's got a future for you. He has a hope for you. And we want you to find out how you're wired, how God has, has gifted you. Because your gifting, your wiring, will give you a clue about the task that God has for you. Pastor John will teach a class today in our growth track called, uh, really, Discover Your Design. Discover how you're gifted. And, and it's the beginning point. It's a starting point. Because if you don't know God... Because God created you, and God, again, he assigned you a task, and that task is on the inside. But if you don't know how to draw it out, if you don't know how to walk it out, something else is going to happen that we'll get to that isn't very good. 
my job and my goal as a pastor is to help you finish the course, finish the race. It's to help you win the race. And I'm passionate and desirous of that to happen. And so, again, I want you to pay a particular attention because it says he began a work in you. He wants to continue the work in you. And he's given you a task. And that task is, first of all, on the inside of you. And, 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 and then he says this. Helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished. Everybody say, finally. Finally, finally finished. I mentioned, when, when, when we arrived, when we got into Minnesota, we crossed the Wisconsin border into Minnesota, I made the mistake of saying, we're in Minnesota. Because Steph immediately thought, where's grandma and grandpa? Where's my aunts and uncles? Where's the ones we've been singing about for the last two days? Where are they at? It's like, well, I'm sorry, Steph. I, we're in Minnesota, but we're not there yet. What do you mean we're not there? I thought we were going to Minnesota. We are. We're in Minnesota, but we still have a ways to go. I thought we were. We are. We're on our way. We're on our way. We're on our way. You know, and, and it, it just kind of snowballs from there. So we drove from the border through the Twin Cities, and then we get to these two signs that I think are the most evil signs in the world. St. Cloud, 47 miles. Yes! So excited. Woohoo! Only 47 miles to go. <laughs> and then what? No. It says 45 miles. 14 hours later, from 47 miles to 45 miles. Two miles we went. That was the grind. I was like, are you kidding me? Why would you put two signs that closely together? It's like, nah, 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 yeah, yeah, you know, it was anyway. That was the grind, and that's what the grind does. But notice he says this, until you are, until the task within you is finally finished. Are we there yet? If you're alive, you're not there yet. Because he goes on and he says this, until that task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. It's a wonderful promise, is it not, that one day Jesus is going to return. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise, and we're thankful for the promise. How many of you are kind of excited about Jesus coming back? He, he is going to come back, praise God. He is. But until that day, until that day that he returns, there's a task, there's a reason, there's a purpose. There's something on the inside of you that is working, that is yearning, that is churning to be accomplished. There's a, a task or an assignment that God has for you, and so my... My desire for you is, is, is really this, don't finish until you're done. Hope that makes sense to you. Don't finish. Don't think you're done until you're actually done. And how do I know when I'm finished? How do I know when I'm done? When you leave this life or when Jesus comes back, that's when you're done. But I want to be done. You're not. Remember the promise? Where, did, where, where does the promise live? Promise lives on the other side of the process. We love the promises of God. We love the idea that Jesus is coming back. But there's a process that you and I have to go to and go through if we are going to accomplish what it is that God wants us to accomplish. So let me sum up the last couple of months very quickly. And then I can actually start my sermon. But, but, but no. So in between the work that God started in you which happened when you accepted Christ as your Savior, made him the Lord of your life. You began a work. He began a work in you. And he's promised to be with you until the day, until the work is finished, which will be on the day of Christ, when the day that Jesus comes back or you slip out of this life. In between, 
in between what he began and what he finished, in between is the race. It is the journey, and it's where the grind lives. And so, in between is where you and I are. We've expressed faith in Christ, and we have a finish line, but the race is in between, and that's where the grind lives. And I think this, I think that most people get sidelined in the race, not because of the devil, not because of catastrophic events that happen to them. It happens because of the daily grind of Christian living. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of things, and over the next couple of weeks we'll talk about it. But on any journey, any any, any journey, any path, any walk, any, any map, if you've ever been at the Mall of America, huge, huge place, and, and you're wanting to find a particular store, how many of you know you find that little kiosk-looking board thing, and when you find that, you, you know, you're looking for whatever it is that you're looking for? What's the most important thing to know? Where you are. You are here. Now, the difficult thing to me, anyway, the difficult thing in the Christian life is to quantify where you are. Where am I in, in, in my walk with Christ? Where am I in my journey with Christ? And I, I mentioned this, and I want to reiterate it because I think that sometimes we do a disservice by trying to do this. And a couple of weeks ago, I sort of wanted to come up with, with, with this is what a mature Christian looks like. This is what a mature believer looks like. But I realized very quickly that I was just going to come up with a to-do list. And the temptation with a to-do list is to check the box. It's to work from the outside to the inside. But we've already discovered what Paul said in Philippians is I want to, God wants to work from the inside to the outside. There's something in you that will eventually, should eventually show up on the outside of your life. It will show up in good works. It will show up in character redevelopment. It will show up in those areas of your life. And so the most important thing to understand is you were here. And so I want you to own something and... and, 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 and I, I, this is deep wisdom from, from Pastor Brian. Are you ready for it? I want you to own this. Where you are is where you are. Where you are is where you are. I know that there are a lot of people who don't start because of where they're not. And they think, well, as soon as this or because of that or, 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 or when I feel better about my past or I'm so ashamed and so, or, 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 or you know, there, there's just different things that, or I think actually the sadder thing is when there's people who have been followers of Christ for a long time and now they've sort of stepped to the sideline. Well, I've gone, to, I've, I've gone long enough. And, and, and you know, I, I've been running this for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I've been, you know, whatever. Until the day. That Jesus returns, there's still a task. Until the day that Jesus returns, there's still life for your life. So when you think of the grind, generally people think of a negative connotation with the grind. That it's, that it's work, that it's effort, that it's the same old, same old. And it will wear you down, it will tire you out, and, and you're, we're stuck in the rut. And sometimes the grind is even unknown. How many of you, well, I won't ask the question, but many of you, uh, there are many people who end up wearing mouth guards because they grind their teeth at night. Not even aware of it. And they end up grinding their teeth down because of the stress, stress and pressure of life. And there's sometimes grind that you're not even aware of, but it's showing up in your life. And you may not recognize it as a result of the grind. It's kind of like what happens when you've not eaten enough food, uh, you know, go back to naked and afraid. They're, they're, They're unable to function like they used to function because they're 
malnourished. And some people are spiritually malnourished and the grind affects them in a negative way rather than a positive way. But there is another way to look at the grind and the perspective becomes very important. Your perspective becomes very, very important. Because the same things that will grind you down have the capacity or the ability to create something beautiful and wonderful in your life. The same things that grind you down and wear you out have the ability to be able to, sh- to create something that's beautiful. Uh, you know, we've got, I've got a coffee cup here. How many of you are glad for whoever figured out coffee? Can I get a caffeinated woohoo? Amen. You think that we serve coffee just to make you happy. We serve coffee to get you awake. Jehovah Java, he is the Lord that awakens thee kind of a thing. And so I don't know who figured out the coffee bean exactly. I'm thankful for them. Whoever took the green nasty bean and crunched it up and, you know, and, and somebody, actually somebody told me that apparently they were wondering why sheep or goats or some kind of animal was acting crazy after they would feed them this stuff. And they found out they were eating beans. And they tried the beans and they tasted horrible. So then they roasted the beans. They thought that maybe by roasting it. And so then they ate it. And then somebody came up with the idea of grinding it down, putting hot water through it, and drinking it. How many of you like chocolate? Chocolate's made this kind of the same way. There's a grinding process that happens. I love peanut butter. That is my comfort food. I put peanut butter. Actually, I just like peanut butter. My favorite thing to put peanut butter on is a spoon. <laughs> mm. And actually, the genius of peanut butter and chocolate. Now we are like, mm-hmm. If you could fit an Oreo on the inside of that, you've got the you've got the holy trinity of heart attacks right there. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the message. <laughs> You see, the same process, grinding, when you, gr- you know, sandpaper will, it, 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 it's got a grinding process to it, but that, that grinding will lead to polishing. Grinding something like a bean that might be nasty turns it into something that is wonderful. And grinding in our life has the capacity to create something that is beautiful and wonderful. And so when we encounter the problems and the trials of life, our perspective has the capacity, the ability to change what's happening around us, but more importantly, on the inside of us. So we're on a journey. He started something, and that work is going to be going, it's going to be ongoing until either the day Jesus comes back or we slip from this life. So how do I walk? How do I do this daily walk? We quote a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 7, and, it's, and we kind of quote it, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. I want to read this from the New Living Version, and it says this, our life is lived by faith. Our life is lived by faith. Our life is lived by faith. The, for, from the moment that we made Jesus, and we make Jesus Lord of our life, how? By faith. And so... We start out in faith. That work in us begins in faith. The task that's in us is lived out by grace and faith. And so every day, every day is a walk of faith. Now that tells me something. It tells me something very important because faith is not a one-time moment in your life. Faith is your way of life. It's not a one-time moment, yes, Jesus, or, or it's not just the occasional, you know, you know whatever it is where you're really in, in some big struggle, but faith is a daily walk. Faith is a daily life. Faith is something that we are designed to operate by every single day. 
So what does that look like? How do we walk by faith? Are you ready for this? This is going to, this is going to, this is going to, let me say it like this. Some of you love a challenge and you're going to love this series. Some of you do not want to be challenged and you're not going to like this series at all. I encourage you to hang in there because it's not as bad as it sounds. It really isn't. And so Paul says this, our life is lived by faith. We do not live by what we see in front of us. What does it mean to, how do I walk this life of faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? We walk by faith, by not, we do not live by what we see in front of us. Now, you're probably, you've probably all heard or been brought up with or have even said, seeing is believing. I believe it when I see it. This is one of the most challenging things about Christianity is that sometimes seeing is deceiving. Sometimes what you see is really not true. It's true in one sense, but it's not truth. And if we're going to successfully go from where he started to work to the day of Christ so that work is completed, we're going to have to learn to live to walk by faith. And I walk by faith by not being engaged or looking or living by what I see in front of us. And so here's the thing about faith that is so difficult. The enemy wants you to look at the moments of life. He wants you to look, and again, this is where perspective is so important. He wants you to look at the moments of your life. And so many times people are like, you know, if my life is going good and everything's hunky-dory, then God is good. And sometimes we don't even think about it. But when there's hiccups and speed bumps in my life and things begin to happen that are, that are unfortunate or uncomfortable, our tendency is to go, God, where are you? God, how come you're not here? How come, how, how come you've abandoned me? Well, we just read one example, and there's literally hundreds of examples in the Word of God. That God is our ever-present source of help in our time of trouble. We read here in the book of Philippians that God is at work in you, and He will continue His work in you. You see, we're looking on the outside. God says, I'm here. And if you let your perspective change, and so life, faith is, is, is really this. Faith isn't easy. It's not always convenient. Because faith deals with real life. And so when I walk by faith, when I live by faith, I walk by faith, I'm not living and walking by what I see in front of us. There's a higher truth, a higher calling that I'm called to work by. And yeah, it might not be going well right now, but I have a hope and a faith in my God. That he who began something in me, he's going to complete it in my life. And I'm not letting anything else deter me from that race. And you see, sometimes it's not the big catastrophic thing. It's just the daily grind. It's the daily disciplines. And, and, and to me, kind of where we're, we're headed, and I just want to leave you with this last thought. In the book of Matthew chapter 25, there's a, there's a parable, a story that Jesus gives to, to help the, his listeners and us understand some things. And he gives the story, and he says that, that there's a, a wealthy person, a, a steward of a house, He's got some servants, and he's going on a long journey. He's going to leave, and he entrusts to three of his uh, assistants a certain sum of money. And on our vernacular, I'll just say it like this, that, that he gave one 50, he gave one 20, and he gave, he gave one $50, one $20, and one $10. And he goes, I want you to, to occupy, and I want you to do business. I want you to do stuff while I'm gone, knowing that I'm going to return. I'm coming back one day. 
And so the one he gave $50 to doubles the money. And when the, when the master comes to service, says, look, I've taken what you've given me and I've doubled it. The guy who had $40 or $20, he said, I've done the same. I've doubled it. And then the one who got 10 said, you know what? I took what you gave me and I hid it because I knew that you were hard and I was afraid. I didn't step out. I didn't invest it. I didn't do anything with it at all. Here's what you gave me. And we read these words in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. And it says, he said, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. The reason that the stuff we just talked about is important is because one day you're going to stand before God. You're given a, you will give an account for how you've lived the grind. He can look at you and say, I started something in you and I was offering to work with you every step of the way. I was encouraging you to run your race. And now you're here before me. I heard one preacher say it like this. I prefer, to, I prefer to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, not just, well, well. Well done implies there's something to be done well. Well done implies there's a task for you and for me and for we. He started something. He's going to finish. We're going to eventually step across the line of this life to the next life. And only what we've done in the grind, only what we've done in the process. But here's the thing about well done. Well done isn't what you've done compared to others. There will always be somebody at different paces and different places of the race. Some of you have been running the race longer. I say it this way, that some of us have been in the hospital longer and we found some health that perhaps others who are just getting to the hospital haven't found. We don't get well done based on where other people are at. Well done is based on what you've done compared to who God wants you to be and the task that he has assigned you to, what you were created to be and what he wants done life. Next week, we're going to take a, this a step farther, and it's kind of a crazy little title, but, but I'm calling you this, life is like a checkout line. How many of you ever been shopping, and you get to the checkout line, and there's like, you know, my, my favorite is you go to Walmart or Target, or you go wherever it is, and it's Christmas time, and they've got 47 register lanes, and there's only three re- people working the registers. We're going to talk a little bit about that because that's a grind. And it's going to help you understand some things. And then God's got grace for the grind. In two weeks, we'll, we'll hit that. But I want to encourage you to, to live your life. And actually, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, again, says, In a race, everybody runs the race. But only one gets the prize with that last phrase. So run your race to win. You've got a race. You have a track to run on. God's got a design and a purpose for your life. He wants you to win that race that he's assigned to you. So don't stray from your lane. Find out. God, how did you wire me? What what am I gifted? What's the assignment task? Where do I start? How do I get going? Would you bow your heads this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I thank you for the men and women of this congregation. I thank you for doing what we've been asking you to do all week long, that, that, that your word was ministered and it was, it was received in the hearts of people. It's like a seed that has found good soil. And, but, Father, we pray that it would begin to grow, that it would begin to flourish. Because, Father, you've got a task for all of us. And it isn't so we accomplish it, but so that you get glory. 
with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed this morning, and if, if you're here today, maybe, maybe the thought of uh, you are here, where you are is where you are, and maybe you're recognizing I'm not where I guess I should be. I've either drifted to the sidelines or I'm not even in the race yet. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you're here today and you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to today. I want to be saved and born again. Would you just hold your hand up real high? I want to lead you in a very simple, simple prayer. Anyone at all? Just hold your hand up real, real high for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's all pray together with this Heavenly Father, let's all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I recognize I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to yours. I believe you died for me. I believe that you're alive today. And I believe you've got a plan for my life that is good. So I give you my life. I thank you today. My sin is forgiven. And I've got a brand new future in front of me. Now, Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer. And I believe that you are beginning something. I've got full confidence that you're beginning something in them and in all of us. You've begun something. And, Lord, I thank you that you give us grace in the grind. You give us strength and faith as we live it out. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everyone said...